Uh, I don't know if it says I'm getting older. <clears throat> I guess we're all getting older, just that I'm further along on the spectrum than some of you. Uh, but the, the thought occurs to me, um, how, how I, don't, I don't stay awake worrying about it at night. Okay, but how will I be remembered? Uh, what, what is the impact of one person's life? How will you be remembered? Will they be there? You know, and again, uh, maybe maybe you don't do this. I don't know if you go and read obituaries very often. Um, you know, you know, you say you say uh, uh, you read the obituary. You know, it's a good day when your name is not in the obituary, kind of thing. You know, uh, um, but it's interesting when you when you note some of those things. There are interesting comments that are made. Uh, some people, he loved to do this. He was an avid fan of this. He would, all those kinds of comments that are made. And, and uh, he was an, was an extremely devoted husband or father or, or uh, whatever the descriptions are. So next, next time you get a chance to read the obituaries, go and see what people say about somebody that's, that's, that's passed along. Um, it's a kind of sobering question, and I know that it causes us to reflect on our mortality and that we're not going to be here forever. And so when you sing a song like, even so come, Lord Jesus come, before he comes, you may meet him. You know, those are the realities. You want one of the other choices in process. So what will the people who knew you best say about you? When you're gone, we've said that this letter to Second Timothy is the last word of Paul to his to the church. He was so instrumental in in bringing life to and the life of Christ because he discovered that himself. So he has some food for thought on that particular issue. And I'm so going to turn to Second Timothy chapter two today and go through first part of the, of the chapter verses one through 13. So you follow along with me as you wish. Or perhaps we'll have it uh, popped up on, on the board, depending what we'll see. That's terrible when I say popped up on the board. Obviously, it's not a board. It's a wall. <clears throat> okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. 
if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown or deny himself. So in the instruction from Timothy, as he's communicating to, uh, in the instruction of Paul, as he communicates to Timothy, his son in the faith, he has this kind of long view of life and talks about what is the impact that we're going to have upon other people. So there are a few things I would like to walk with you through and make observation about. First is this. Encourage you to be remembered, you will be remembered, by what you gave away. By what you gave away. Um, so we spend, a, uh, some people, spend much of their life trying to accumulate stuff to save up for contingencies. And that's, that's okay. That's a planning approach. But if that's been your whole goal, good news and bad news. <laughs> um, and I don't know which one it is. You get to leave that all behind. You can spend, you can spread it around. You can leave a last will and testament and share that with other people, and that's perfect. But you don't get to take any of it with you. It's what you give away that's important in terms of your life and your service. And for Timothy, here's the instruction or challenge that Paul has to him. He says, first, I want you to be strong, but strong, not, not in terms of just, you know, the, the muscles that you build. But be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It is because of what God has done for you that you have an impact and influence with other people. Be strong in that. Let God's grace move through you. Experience that by personal faith in Jesus Christ, but let it move through you to touch the lives of other people around you. Uh, that's an adjective we we would say the person is very gracious maybe maybe they maybe they maybe they have good manners or they have good graces about them whatever the adjective would be but they respond to people in a way that's not bull in the china shopish it's other concern focus upon them here people who are gracious and 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 I don't know about you but I I enjoy being around people who are gracious. It doesn't mean that they're culturally refined and observing all of the etiquette of the world, but, but, it, but it's nice to be around people who have some level of manners along the way. We don't see them very much, it seems. You know, uh, you, you know the family gets together for food, and, and, and pretty soon one starts to just chow right down, and I guess there was an old preacher that said he's, he went in that situation and he said, well, he said, are you going to offer prayer? And uh, the, the preacher said, well, he said, obviously you haven't done that. He says, I had a dog like you. He, he said, I, he, it never gave thanks either. It just chowed right down, you know, kind of thing. So being gracious about some things, being grateful uh, in process is important. Be, be strong in that. Let it be a strength about you. Give away the grace of God. And then Verse 2 talks about another, uh, which is a key piece in the whole process of what you give away. He says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men, oh, so many generic women, children as well, who will also be qualified to teach others. 2 Timothy 2.2 has been an 
and been a principle of of a church multiplication uh, that's that's gone on for many years. Entrust stuff to other people. Entrust stuff to other. Entrust this particular thing. He's talking about the message that he has received. What I have been taught. Pass that along. Who will be able to teach other people also? Now. Whenever I use this little acronym, I can I can always get into problem. And I had to confess to Frank earlier. Uh, we were we were talking, and I said one of the one of the one of the most shocking visits I had to a medical doctor was when we were, we were pastoring up in Johnstown, uh, the Alliance Church up there. And I went in one day and had done all the blood work, and all that kind of thing. And he looked me in the eye and he said, "You are obese." I said, "What? How can that be?" How can that be? I said, I don't feel obese. Just, you know. Well, just according to the chart, you know, and body mass index, and I kind of think you're you're obese. And and I have to say that when I look around the world around us, there are there are a few of us in that camp. So and I don't want you to be glorifying that. I want you to be concerned because you're the scriptures say your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who's in you. You have that of God. You're not your own, therefore glorify God. So you want to try to take care of the body that you've got. But when using this particular acronym of fat people, I don't want anybody to get their knickers in a twist over this issue. Okay? So you, you if, if there's a little more of you to love, that's okay. We'll love all of you, you know, kind of thing. But, but the acronym that I want to talk about is... The things that you do in terms of entrusting to other kind of people. And here are the people. He says, I want you to entrust these to faithful people, faithful men. He said, they, they are the ones that you are going to pass those along. Uh, NIV translates the word faithful, reliable. But faithful is the word. People who can be entrusted with something are faithful and little. God gives them more. Faithful people, available teacher, available people, people that are there, that are that are part of the process, and and they can be counted on. They show up, and then people who are teachable, a teachable spirit. So uh, today you can be fat in church, okay? You can be faithful, available, and teachable. And this verse two is the whole process of spiritual multiplication that goes on. I want you to I want you to, to pass that word along. We don't there used to be there's ebbs and flows in terms of emphasis in ministry. Earlier on um, when I first started in ministry, one of the important pieces was education. Christian education. Churches had additional staff people and they were Christian education directors or in a local church they had that. And the, the intent of that was to pass along curriculum to make to make that information available to people. And by, by mastering the content that you grew up in that and you became familiar with it. And the theory was that if I only understood this word, if I only understood it better, then that would make me better disciple. And that's not necessarily untrue, but there's more to it than that. Because we are given this truth, this content, this information to pass along to other people. It's a part of our responsibility. 
be faithful, available, teachable people who are in the process of spiritually multiplying. Now, here's the question. How are you doing at reproducing yourself in the life of other people as a Christ follower? How are you doing in that process? Are you doing it? Is there someone that you're speaking into? We, we talked about this in the, when we were in the first chapter, how Paul would talk about Discipleship 360. There are people that he would mentor. There are people who mentored him. There were, so we have this, this circle around us in terms of who we're speaking into their lives. How are you doing in terms of the multiplication? How are we doing in passing that word along, that truth along? So be remembered by what you give away. Give away the strength that you have and the grace that is in Christ Jesus and give away that faithful uh, message to faithful people who are able to pass that word along. So it's always a process of spiritual multiplication. I know that we can talk about addition in the church. The scriptures will speak more often about growth and multiplication by the work of the Spirit of God. So be remembered by what you gave away. Be remembered also by the life you model, what we do, what we are, speaks much louder than what we say. We can be remembered for our words, and they may be words of wisdom that we live with people, leave with people, but uh, it, it's what we are that's more important. In, in this particular portion of Scripture, verses 3 through 7, he talks about three, excuse me, three models, three images, if you will, to describe what that modeling process would look like. Three examples. First, he talks about a soldier. A soldier. He said, verse 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. That's the first example in analogy. A soldier who purposes on pleasing the Lord alone. That's the goal. Now, if you don't picture yourself as a, as a soldier, then maybe you can work it on one of the other images. But the soldier image works for some. Particularly if you're a rather regimented person and you really like to bark orders and, and have people obey. That might be more interesting to you. But the soldier whose purpose is pleasing the Lord, in his, in his analogy... He said there's going to be hardship involved, but you do that like a good soldier. The primary goal is to please your commanding officer. Now, in the, in the analogy, obviously, the commanding officer, we might picture as God. He's the one that we take the orders from, and he's the one that we get the marching orders from in terms of where we are deployed, how we are to serve. But we do that for the purpose of pleasing him. Um, are you a people pleaser? Are, are, do, you, do you live to try to make everybody like you? That, that's living life on eggshells all the time. That's not a place to be. But when your goal is to please God, you let the results fall where they are because pleasing God is far more important and pleasing people around us in process. The first example in terms of the life you model is a soldier pleasing the Lord. The second example is an athlete who plays by the rules God lays down. 
And so he says in verse 5, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Now, I don't know, maybe you feel, maybe you feel more athletic than soldierish. Uh, and, and, you know, we can all think back to times when we used to be able to dribble a ball instead of just dribbling. You know, so you just... You, did, you, you can always reflect back to those kinds of things. But the athlete is one who had to condition, stay in shape, be in shape, make sure that his BMI is below five or whatever. You know, it's just really very lean, able to do, its, do their job because they're a well-tuned machine, if you will. But the athlete has to play by the rules. And God establishes the rules. He gives us the marching orders as a soldier, but he establishes the rules. Well, you, if you like guidelines better, that's okay. I mean, you can talk about Ten Commandments. You can talk about, we talk about Ten Preferences, but we can talk about Ten Commandments. But there are guidelines for living. It's not entirely what we're all about, but it, there are guidelines, there are rules, there are standards that God lays down for us. And so when we're going to compete, we're going to have to compete terms of modeling things in light of what God has established by his rule, by his guideline, not by our own rules. That's the second example. The third example is one that results in produce corners in churches. And it's a farmer. It's the farmer. The hardworking farmer, verse 6, should be the first to receive a share of the crops a farmer who shares in the harvest to come, not only for him, but to be able to bless other people as well, the harvest that is to come. So he, he invites us in, to be remembered, remembered by what we give away and by what we model. Now, I don't think we intentionally try to just get up one morning and say, well, Today, I want to model charity. And you go out and do charitable acts during the day. Today, I want to model humility. And you go about the process of trying to stay humble all day. We don't, we don't often think about it because we are constantly on display to people. We are modeling people whether we are aware of it or not, whether we like it or not. We're modeling something. The choice is, what are you going to model? Is there going to be the strength of grace? Is there going to be one who follows the standard of God's word, is there one who is going to be living for harvest? Not so much for them, but the harvest that is yet to come. And as we faithfully do the 2 Timothy 2.2 2 thing, where we entrust that message, and pass it along, faithful people, that becomes part of what we model. One final part on how we'll be remembered is remembered by your motivation. And that's a lot of stuff that's not seen. You can't tell what's going on. I can't I can sit and look at you and say, well, I they're really they're really into this message. They're really paying attention. And you may be your thoughts, you could you could put it on because some of you even have a mask on and I can't see. I can't, you could be frowning underneath that mask. You could be smiling underneath the mask. You could be sticking your tongue out underneath that mask. And I wouldn't know. You know? That's the danger of masks in our day. Anyway, but how will you be remembered by your motivation? A lot of that is unseen. People don't know what your motivation is. 
And so we have to be very careful when we come to, to responding to people around us because you don't know what you don't know with a person. You, you may be quick to judge and say, whoa, that was very uncharitable. That was a very unkind. That was very it was inappropriate remark. But you don't know where they've been. You don't know what they're going through. You've got to be very careful. Be very slow to speak on some of those things. Be remembered by your motivation. And the end of uh, verses 8 through 13, he talks a little bit about motivation. Motivation, first of all, verse 8, is to serve Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And I realize that that, that looks like you say, well, okay, I'll try to remember him. I, I think it's more than just mental assent. It's a matter of living your life, again, as the soldier image talked about, pleasing the Lord in what you do. Serve Jesus. Remember him. Let him be the first thought in your day. Let him be the last thought in your day. The scriptures say... Uh, let your mind dwell on him. Think about him. And here there will be a description of that a little bit later in this portion of scripture. But remember Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead, descended from David. The power of Christ to be raised uh, from the dead is a part of our motivation. That power enables us to serve other people because we're serving Jesus primarily is our goal. A motivation to suffer for Jesus, verses 9 and 10 puts it that way. It says, this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Two pieces to this. One is the awareness that he is he's suffering, enduring hardship, like a good soldier, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. We talked about how people could respond to to Paul's previous portion, chapter 1, talking about how people responded to him. Some people were embarrassed. They were they abandoned him. They didn't follow up with him. At the end of the first chapter talked about a couple people who just blasted off. They didn't pay any attention to him because I think they were embarrassed about the fact that this Paul, this this. Apostle of Jesus Christ is in the slammer. He's in jail waiting a trial. Ultimately, we know that that trial uh, results in his death. It doesn't result in his freedom. But he's willing to suffer. He's willing to endure that, even if it means being chained. Because, and here's an interesting phrase, God's word is not chained. There may be limitations that we experience in our day. We can talk about COVID issues and how restricting and confining they are. But you know, God's word is not chained in COVID. God's word is not limited in ability to get to areas of need in the hearts and minds of people. There are people, I mean, we've become rather creative in terms of trying to find ways to to either gather together or or to reach out and expand a network of influence. We've become increasingly well-versed at the technology of our day that enables us to get through Internet into the lives of people. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not exactly the same, but it's, it's workable. 
you make the best of the situation. There are people who uh, I'm, I'm aware of stories of pastors and friends that I know who I'll say, well, how is your, they'll, maybe they'll be live streaming or maybe they'll be uh, recording something and then playing it so that it's convenient to get you know, many options. But how are you doing in that process? They say, well, it's interesting. We have people who are tuning in, who are watching in, checking in on the website, checking in or, or on the live stream who we, we don't normally get to. We don't get to. And I know that in our day with the technology we have, you know, you can, you can, you can go listen to, you know, Charles Stanley or Andy Stanley or Flat Stanley or whoever you want to listen to along the way. Uh, you, you can listen to most anybody. We, we came up right up from Harrisburg today. We listened to David Jeremiah. And so we've got two sermons on the way up, uh, two different topics than Although he did talk about Second Timothy, I thought, well, it's good, that's good. You know. um, but you, you, there's all kinds of content that gets to people in ways that we don't normally get to, and that's a good thing because we have people who are tuning in on their terms to what we are attempting to try to convey in terms of the message of Christ, and that gets along because the gospel is not chained; it's not limited. Motivation to suffer for Jesus, even though we may be in chains, the gospel is not chained. And then motivation for reward from Jesus, verses 11 to 13. And this is an interesting portion. It talks about a couple different things. Here's a trustworthy saying. He says, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. That goes back to the gospel's. In the Gospel of Mark, it says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of him at that day. So we always have to keep in mind who are we attempting to please? Who are we trying to honor with our life? Because there comes this reward from Jesus. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He cannot deny himself. How are we going to be remembered? Remember by what you give away? Remember by what you model. Remember by the things that you're motivated by, even though that's the piece that is least seen by people, what's, what's making you tick, what's making you move. But it shows up in the way that we touch the lives of other people by service, by identifying with Christ, and by living a life that pleases him, and ultimately there's reward. Verse 11 says, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. That's the promise of life eternal. Now we can talk about the promise of abundant life here and now. And that's what Christ longs to give to us by his Holy Spirit who dwells within us. If we endure, we're going to reign with him. No, no matter how difficult the journey is. Your path, the psalmist talks about, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. And maybe for you, your road has been relatively good. No major trauma, tragedy, difficulties, maybe. But the reality is that we do experience things along the way over which we don't have control. And how will we respond to them? He said, if we endure those things, we will reign with him. And then if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. It's interesting how when you talk about fat people, go back in my head, 
you know, faithful, available, teachable. Faithfulness is what God longs for us to do or be as we relate to other people, but faithful is what he is as well. And it's a good bookend to the whole issue of faithfulness. I came across a statement recently that I was, I was talking about my daughter last night, lives up in Milford. And I said, I came across a statement, and uh, the statement is this. When you were born, everyone else was smiling and you were crying. Live so that when you die, everyone else is crying and you are smiling. And I said, I came across that. She said, Dad, I've heard you say that before. I says, oh, okay. Uh, it must not have been original somewhere else. I, I, I must have come up with a line somewhere. She said, I've done a bunch of funerals with you. I've heard you say that before. I said, okay, I'll trust you. Even though I can't remember it, you know, it's kind of, kind of thing. But just food for thought. You know, you get together at a funeral setting and, and people are shedding tears um, because of the sense of loss. Um, and I realize that the person who's laying in that casket has no feeling, no emotion at that point. They're elsewhere with the Lord. But I'm wondering if you, if from the looking down perspective, if there's that awareness of what's going on, if we're aware and we can sit and smile and we can say, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to have been entrusted with your word. We pass along to other people who pass it along in that multiplication process. I wonder if mine would read, how will I be remembered on a headstone? Faithful husband, loving father, pastor to God's people, preacher of God's word. He believed in Jesus. Maybe that last line is probably the one that counts more than any, regardless of what we do. It's who we believe in. And how you're living these days has a huge impact on how you'll be remembered. So Paul gives to Timothy this word of encouragement in light of what you're living like. Um, in order to die well, you need to live well in process. So I don't want you to become overly morbid and introspective, but I want you to give thought to the fact that you're not going to be here forever, neither am I. And, and how will you be remembered? What are you doing to speak into the lives of other people? What are you doing to model grace of Christ so that it impacts other people positively? And then live that way, move that way toward him. I want you to pause with me for prayer. Do that. <clears throat> Father, I can't live somebody else's life for them. I may have desires for them to aspire to, things that uh, long for them to be able to model that are characters of grace. But you know where we're at in the journey. You know how we're doing. 
you know how we're living. And I'm asking today that you would help us to live well. Help us not to be hoarding, but to be giving. Giving away the message. Giving away of your, of your gifts and spirit and power to serve other people. Help us, Father, by your grace to live well. Model well. Thank you that you're faithful and you enable us to do what you call us to do. So I pray that this people today will take pause at how things are going. They'll look inside and they'll look to you for the help and grace that's needed to live well, model well, serve well. Thank you for what you'll do. We give you praise for your goodness to us. You're all we need. You're all we, we ever wanted. Thank you for your goodness to us. Our Father, I pray that your grace and your mercy and your peace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ will rest and abide upon these folks as they have come into this place and as they go forth to serve you, pray you'll bless them richly with a sense of your presence and the power of Christ. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.